And that's the thing that sometimes I have a hard time with because when you don't have hope, you're not going to go to where you want to go. Well, and again, back to their belief, they don't believe they can do it. I mean, when people talk about weight loss, there's so many people I've ever dealt with over, they truly believe they can't lose weight. And the only way they can lose weight is to take Ozempic or some type of medication. That's the only way they think that it's going to work. So until they get in their mind that, hey, I, if I follow this process, if we, if we sailed across the ocean and we burned the boats behind us, there's no going back. That's what they, there's no, there's no second guessing 100%. If you go in 100%, what would happen? And I'll so, tell them. So we're, we're playing it too safe. Our safety is sometimes misery or pain. Yeah. So why it, is that? Why is, why is our safety pain? Because that's what they identify themselves with many times. And so then you create this belief to protect you. Yes. Yeah, I'm protect. Versus if I go outside the box and I don't Scary. do what I'm supposed to do, I might fail. And now it's on me. It's on me. Versus so the genetics. When you listen the- to Linda French, she was on a podcast a while back about you know, when people get stuck, you, you, you got to let them own that. And so when I say to my clients, and I try to be really... In, in, a, in a slow, because again, you said earlier, pace and space. We need to have time over. But I'll say to them what right now, here's what, I, here's what, here's the plan. Is this plan, can you do this? And I want. They have to sign off. They have to sign off. And they'll say to me, I can do this. Okay. So I'm going to be your coach and I'm going to push you. I'm going to help you. But it's going to get a little uncomfortable. It's going to rain. Uh, you don't have to jump off, you know, inside and get out of the rain. It's going to rain. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. You won't like everything. But if this is where you want to go, I got to tell you, the journey's incredible. And then you get them to think this way. It's, it's this different mindset. But again, back to do they have a beginner's mind? Are you asking the right questions? Are they curious? And then we got to tackle and find their beliefs. Because I cannot tell you over the years how many people don't believe it. Hey guys, it's Matt. Welcome back to another Rest Eat Move podcast. Uh, just got back in town from a speaking event, but I'm trying to go. We're trying to go four for four. So podcast episode 173. The title of this one is going to be "Why Is Our Health So Emotional?" Um, as always, any questions, some great feedback. Keep the feedback coming. We love the feedback. It kind of motivates us to keep the streak going, knowing that. Everyone out there is enjoying it, getting value from the podcast. But today is about why is our health so emotional? And so, Dad, as we go into this topic, how I want to set the stage is most of the decisions we make in life have emotions tied to them. Let's just talk about managing money. There's emotions that we all have around money, whether it's how much we should have or how we spend it or how um, generous we are or what where we tip or where we don't tip, there's emotions. When it comes to our health, I truly believe sometimes our emotions get in the way. And when you think about any coach, any mentor, anybody trying to help that maybe doesn't have as much skin in the game, sometimes it's easier. So when we talk about working with family or when we talk about helping people we know real, real well, that's harder. Let's, let's start right there. Why is it harder to help people move mountains when, when they're so close to us? 
Well, think I think at the beginning is that you have to start over. You kind of have to start the, you know, it's like building a house. You kind of start from the beginning. And the big one is, is that do you have that beginner's mind? Dr. Phil Nuremberger used to always talk to us about having a beginner's mind. If you were asking a question to a second grade class and you ask a question, all the hands would go up. But if you have to ask the same question to a group of adults many times, hardly any hands go up. You and I were talking about this today. We've been speaking this week to many groups, and one group the day before, every hand goes up, and the next day, no hands go up. Same so job, same, same everything, same organization, same everything. So that beginner's mind is everything, because if you're trying to move mountains, you get into the emotion of whether, whether it's money or health or whatever it might be, they already have this, you know, belief but if they don't start out with having a beginner's mind and start asking better questions and be more curious you're not going to get very far nobody really wants to get advice nobody wants to hear advice let's go back then to family or somebody you know you know you hear that you got to hear it from somebody else why is that or you know you got to be you got to go 30 miles to be an expert yeah so again many times whether it's family or whatever i mean you know, you're listening to different people on different podcasts, whatever. But the bottom line is, is that until you, again, taking advice, nobody wants to take advice generally unless, and really are they asking for advice. So the fine line is how do you get them to be curious? And so to me, what I try to do, especially when I'm working with people one-on-one or even audiences, I was asking some of these questions yesterday, is what do you need to know that could possibly could change a habit or where you move? And no different with a family. If you start asking better questions, you're not giving advice. You're just asking questions. So, so, so asking questions to somebody that's not asking for advice is probably what happens there. Yeah. So again, I'm trying to get into the beginner's mind, like, you know, why is the sky blue or whatever it might be, but I'll start asking questions. I'm not putting them on the spot. I'm just asking questions people love to talk about you know some of their stuff but if you come at it with you need to do this and you need to do that that's not going to work but reality is is if you start asking them and then they can see the light they start hmm I never thought of it that way now you can start moving into some of their hardcore beliefs or box of beliefs that may be already kneeled shut especially with family members and so you've done this 35 years (laughs) you deal with emotions a lot crying laughing joking uh, all the emotions. What do you say when it prevents people from getting to where they want to go? Well, I already know, I've known this a long time, that when you hear laughter, people are learning. So laughter and learning go right together because now their box of belief is it's they're open. open. They're open. And so one of the things I try to do when I'm speaking to groups is to bring some humor to it, to bring some lightness to it, you know, when I first started speaking, I was like, here's the facts. Why won't you do this? You know, but I realized very quickly that it doesn't work because the emotions are already putting up the block. And so if you want to break down the, the barrier or their beliefs, you need to start getting them to be curious and create some emotion and some beginner's mind and things like that. But really, that's the thing with humor and lightness and asking questions. When you start asking questions, people start, you know, whether it's money, ask questions about money, what people, you start, you start finding out what they believe. Versus if I just come at them like, hey, tell me this, I don't know what they believe or don't believe. When I think about their health, I say, ask them questions. I can get real quickly, like if people are, are concerned about their sleep, I'll start asking them questions about their sleep. 
the value it, you know, what, you know, what's it look like. And and so you now start figuring out very quickly that this is a problem versus, Hey, I know you're having trouble sleeping. This is what you should do. That's not going to work. All right. So let's back up for a second. We've talked before about the instant gratification. You got social media, uh, very short attention spans, all this information. We we've missed that part that you're talking about here. And so there are a lot of loud voices telling people advice and then you pick up these things here and there and da, 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 da. And it starts to create this belief. And as a society, we all have this kind of belief on what health looks like and what it should be like. Um, what do we need to break down, rebuild so that we can start to be more open with this conversation around health? Because we're going to go into genetics in a second. And I'm just here to tell you what's going to happen here with genetics as the tests get better, the specificity of the supplements or the foods that you should eat because of your genetic footprint, we're going to get way down this track where it's going to be hard to reverse. So if in your thirties, you're told that you can't have spinach because you have this genetic coding where you shouldn't have spinach, I'm guessing at 60, you're not going to start eating spinach. Well, again, what I think we all try to do here is we're trying to uncover I want to know what's in their box of beliefs. And that's that takes some strategy. So, depends. so it's not just a video on social media to no. get that no. open? Because what you're going to pick and choose, you're going to pick and choose what you want to pick and choose. And that's what's happening. You're already, you're already cementing your... So you're not just nailing your box of beliefs shut. Now you're putting cement over it. Because now you are just reinforcing. You can find anything you want to reinforce what your beliefs are. Whether it's politics, so that's whether it's money. That's pretty concerning. It's very concerning. So if you don't have the curiosity, you're going to just get that belief and you're just going to nail that thing shut and it's going to cement it over. And the cement comes in? Yeah, so I ask people all the time. You know, we've heard this all the time. I've tried everything. Well, once I hear they tried everything, there's no way I'm going to tell them or or suggest or recommend something. And you don't quit, but you just got to start rerouting. I got to go back into, (laughs) I'm going out to get the, the screwdriver and the, in the hammer, because I want to, I want to open up the box of beliefs. So if that's what they say, here comes the questions. So I want them to now slowly move into the beginner's mind. How do you get people that already have that locked in? Start asking some questions, and when you start drilling down, the box slowly might move open and create a little air, and that's when you start getting people to go, hmm, I never thought of that before, or they have that curiosity, and when they have that curiosity, away we go. We talk about cod liver oil, you know. We'll ask an audience, how many of you believe cod liver oil tastes bad? And they'll all raise their hands. And I said, how many of you believe it tastes bad and you've never had it before? And they all laugh. So the, now answer, in- the answer lately is it's almost like they don't even want to raise their hand because they're looking at me like, duh, <laughs> like you should know that. Yeah, who, and I'm like, no, this, I'm trying to make bad. a point. <laughs> but then you say, here are the, so you just, you need, now you create humor. They laugh and many have laughed and some have no clue what you're talking about. But <laughs> w- the bottom line is you start talking about benefits are you willing to, and now the light kind of clicks on that like, maybe I do want to have better brain health, or maybe I want to have less inflammation or better hormones or whatever. So now you're creating the curiosity that you're not just going to tell them what to do. They're thinking, hmm, maybe that's something I should think about. And maybe at the end, I might try it and see what I, it tastes like. And so, and so to the listener, it, just to kind of slow it down for a second, changing beliefs requires space and time. And I think one of the things we have to realize is if we continue to go down this path of no space and time, 
we're going to only go as far as these limiting beliefs. And we all have to recognize self-awareness. We all have limiting beliefs. All of us. Myself right now in this moment, I have limiting beliefs. And it comes down to this really important question. You kind of said it, but I'm going to maybe say it a little clearer. Is what would you need to know, see, or experience to believe something that you don't? Yeah, just what would you need to know to open up that box just a little bit? And so here's an example. UFOs. There's these UFO trials. If you're following, if you're not following, good, because there's more important things to maybe do. But some people believe UFOs are real, and some people believe UFOs are fake. There's two, two answers. Maybe you're in the middle. Maybe you're far, far one way, far the other way. What would you need to know, see, or experience to go one way or the other? That's as simple as it is. But if you're not curious and you say nothing, if, if the answer is nothing, I believe that they're fake, we can't go any farther. There's nothing, there's no, there's no hope. I mean, every kid on the planet, not every kid, but many kids wanted to believe there really was a Santa Claus. Yeah. I did. What would you, so in that case, what would you need to know, see, or experience to believe it's not true? Well, I believed it wasn't true because my brother kept telling me, idiot, there is no Santa Claus. Yeah, so... And he broke that for me, or Easter Bunny, or the Loch Ness Monster, or, or Bigfoot, the, the Tooth Fairy. On, my right? son's lost two teeth in yeah. two weeks, and or yeah, I had in, to a, give in a week, and he double dipped. He got five bucks from me, and probably five hopefully bucks. Hopefully, he's not Holly. listening. <laughs> so, so yeah, hopefully he's not listening. But yeah, so that's that's the uh, the art of getting people to slowly. All right, let's go one, behavior. one 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 other step. Gravity, I would say. 99% and that's probably a little low. 99% of everyone listening believes gravity is real. But there is some people that don't believe gravity is real. There's some people. What would you need to know, see, experience to believe that it's not real? Or what would you have to experience to believe that it actually is real to move back over to the camp? That's where emotions come in. Emotions start to we have these beliefs, we, get, we nail them shut, we put the cement. Maybe when the cement comes out, the emotions get even more and greater. So the, the more it's closed, the more emotions are tied to it. If you're kind of wishy-washy and there's maybe some duct tape or some masking tape holding the box shut, it's, it's not as emotional. But beliefs keep us safe. So, so believing that gravity is real, you can move on. You know it's real, we're moving on. UFOs, fake, real, I, I feel comfortable, beliefs make us safe. But they also, in my opinion, sometimes prevent us from thriving or experiencing a, a different result. Well, that's, again, back to limiting beliefs. A limiting so, belief. So the cod liver oil would be a limiting belief. I've never had it before, but I believe it tastes bad. And when you look at, when you look at, Char, when you look at Roger Bannister, what broke the four-minute while, that was one of the best examples ever because you said earlier people had to see it nobody it's humanly impossible to break the four minute mile everybody was trained for it but in 1954 he broke broke the four minute mile and then the next two years it was broken 37 times 
I really do think it's impossible because I'm trying to break a. <laughs> oh, well, right now I'm at six minute mile, but I've been trying to break a five minute mile. But think about that for a second. Now what it is today, I mean, people are 43. I mean, it's just they're smoking this. Now they're trying to break a two hour marathon. So so the goal is like walking on the moon or whatever it might be, four minute mile. Once people see it, now they realize that's possible. Or a phone that can know what we're thinking or doing. It, it's it's but again back to we've all had these beliefs we've nailed our box shut but the more again the big thing is when I talk to people and myself I, I try I'll be 66 in a couple months I am I think I'm more curious now than I've ever been I took a golf lesson the other day and Paula says to me why do you you know and I'm like because I want to get better and then I, I I see this guy and he says to me man, you ask a lot of questions. And I'm like, yeah, because I want to be better. And he goes, it's fun to, it's fu he said it was, it's fun to, to coach you because you are so curious. It's no different. When I have people that are really curious, whether it's in audiences or in the gym, then the, it's limitless. I mean, you can just go on and on and on because they have that curiosity, what's possible. So again, we've kind of set the stage, <clears throat> emotions, beliefs, but let's get into what people are really after is, is, a thriving health, feeling good, waking up vibrant, uh, happy, healthy, energetic. And I think one of the most limiting beliefs and also a, a true belief is genetics. So let's dive into genetics. I would say genetics have the opportunity to be the most preventative from getting people to be curious in the future once they've been exposed to some genetics that leads to disease or chronic illness or an allergy. Why don't you give the audience a little glimpse into genetics, go yeah, into so, epigenetics and, so, and talk so, about beliefs. Well, let's, step, let's start right from the beginning that everybody's got genetics. And so in the human cell, you have RNA and DNA. We have this, this footprint. We have this identification. We all have them. And some people have, I would say, maybe more unhealthy genetics than others, you know, your mother has a whole line of cancer in her, in her mom's family. And so all the sisters died before 60 of cancer. Obviously a high level of genetics there. So every family has it, some good or bad. But the goal is understanding that you do, your behavior trumps genetics. Now, you can have bad genetics, but you're also behavior. So, for example, if you look at weight, let's just talk about obesity, in 1970, we had no obesity, basically, less than 10%. Today, we're about 35% of the entire United States is considered obese, 35%. So it's not has nothing to do with our genetics Genetics changing. haven't changed. Yeah. If you looked at uh, type 2 diabetes, you know, in, in, in the year 1960, we had 1 in 4,000. Today, it's closer to one in eight. I mean, it's just has nothing to do with genetics. So when you get out of your mindset, like people say to me all the time, is it really possible to reverse type two diabetes? I said, of course, I have had many people that have reversed it, but they don't believe that. But once they believe it- And you'll never reverse it until you believe it. Until you believe it. And so when I've worked with people one-on-one, -on -one, I get them, I look them right in the eye, I go, you can change this, and they do but other people don't quite believe it. So what emotions would get in the way? Let's just say I'm a client, come in, I have type two diabetes. I truly am saying I don't want it. 
What emotion would get in the way, though, of being open to changing that belief? Well, number one, they think they have to climb Mount Everest. So it's going to be too hard. I can't do this. I can't do that, whatever. We're not focusing on that. We're going to focus on the process. Let's make this process relatively simple to begin. And then they buy into that. Mean I only have to do this? Yes, because we're, we're not going to change it overnight. We're going to do it slowly. My cholesterol is out of balance. Okay. Do you want to be on a cholesterol medication the rest of your life? You mean it's not? No, you don't need to be on a cholesterol medication. For, in fact, nobody needs to be on a cholesterol medication unless they've had a heart attack, if they're willing to change their lifestyle. So, so you have to plant that seed right away, and then you have to really help them believe they can do it. And if they start believing they can do it and they set up a process, and then you the proof's in the pudding, because how many people have you had say, hey, have you ever worked with somebody with X? And you have, and I tell them. I'll tell them this is a person. In fact, I, I'll get some of my clients, and I said, here's their phone number. You call them. Because you said at the very beginning, what do they need to know? What, would they, what, what information do they need to know that possibly would get them to start changing their behavior? Yeah, and, and I, I'll be honest. I'll speak honest here. There's sometimes that I want to tell that person that asks me if I've ever heard of a rare disease that they have, you know, that they want to stump me. Because that's their belief. Mm-hmm. You, they heard me talk about hope, and they're in despair, and they don't want to come up to hope yet. And so, and it's hard as humans. I don't know. I'll be tr- truthful. Sometimes I give them the answer that they want to hear because I don't. I don't want the conflict with a stranger that I'm not. I don't have any vestible interest in. So if someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, have you heard of this? Have you worked with anybody?" I'll usually say. No, I haven't really worked with somebody, but um, I believe it's similar to this. When the truth is, if we're just being blunt, you don't believe it's possible, do you? And that's the thing that sometimes I have a hard time with because when you don't have hope, you're not going to go to where you want to go. Well, and again, back to their belief, they don't believe they can do it. I mean, when people talk about weight loss, there's so many people I've ever dealt with over they truly believe they can't lose weight. And the only way they can lose weight is to take Ozempic or some type of medication. That's the only way they think that it's going to work. So until they get in their mind that, hey, I, if I follow this process, if we, if we sailed across the ocean and we burned the boats behind us, there's no going back. That's what they, there's no, there's no second guessing 100%. If you go in 100%, what would happen? And I'll so, tell them. So we're, we're playing it too safe. Our safety is sometimes misery or pain. Yeah. So why and, is that? Why is it, why is our safety pain? Because that's what they identify themselves with many times. And so then you create this belief to protect you. Yes. Yeah. I'm protect. Versus if I go outside the box and I don't Scary. do what I'm supposed to do, I might fail. And now it's on me. It's on me. Versus so the genetics. When you listen the- to Linda French, she was on a podcast a while back about. You know, when people get stuck, you 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 got to let them own that. And so when I say to my clients, and I try to be really in in a, in a slow, because again, you said it earlier, pace and space. We need to have time over. But I'll say to them what right now. Here's what I, here's what here's the plan. Is this plan? Can you do this? And I want they have to sign off. They have to sign off, and they'll say to me, "I can do this." Okay, so I'm going to be your coach, and I'm going to push you. I'm going to help you. But it's going to get a little uncomfortable. It's going to rain. Uh, you don't have to jump off you know, inside and get out of the rain. It's going to rain. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. You won't like everything. But if this is where we want to go, i got to tell you the journey is incredible. 
And then you get them to think this way. It's, it's, it's a different mindset. But again, back to do they have a beginner's mind? Are you asking the right questions? Are they curious? And then we got to tackle and find their beliefs. Because I cannot tell you over the years how many people don't believe it. Like I'll show people, I'll get them in the gym. Rashawn and I did this a while back. I'll say, hey, can you hang from that bar for 15 seconds, 10 seconds? Can you raise your arms overhead? Whatever their fitness level is. Oh, no, I can't do that. I said, would you like to? They'll say, I, I can't do that. They'll say it five times. I can't do that. I didn't say if you could do it. I said, would you like to? And finally, they, I, I break them down. They're like, yeah, I'd like to. Okay, so this is what you need to do. Today, we're not going to hang. We're just going to raise your arms up and touch it. That's all I have to do? That's all I have to do. And then next week, we're going to raise your arms overhead, and we're going to have you on a stool, and you're just going to put a little more weight on that. That's all I have to do? That's all I have to do. Because that's what they, and then they start getting confidence that, hmm, I can do this. And then there you go. Now it's in their court. They're driving the, tr the train, and that's what gets exciting for people. But they have to get that emotion. Like you said today, this is all about. you got to get the emotion right. If they're laughing, they're having fun, they're learning. If they're curious, we got them. So when you have people come to you and they start asking you a bunch of questions, what happens? It's easy. It's engaging. It's fun. It's like, okay, whatever. But they're going to come to you right away with their box, and the box is nailed shut, and they're going to tell you every reason why you can't do it. But back to your genetics, epigenetics is a science. And we just uncovered in the middle 80s. Yes, yeah, say that again. So genetics. Everyone's heard of genetics. What's the percentage of our health that's genetic? Like when I'm talking about disease, what, what percentage of disease is genetics? 15%? 15% give or take. Okay, so that's an important stat. It's an important stat. Everybody's got genetics. Everybody's got challenges in their life. Everybody's got it. Both my father and my grandfather had colon cancer. It's, it's, it's on my mind. And I'm going to do everything in my power to keep my digestive system and my gut healthy because I know it's a problem. And you're going to do preventative stuff, I'm going to do colonoscopies, right. I'm going to do all that stuff. But again, everybody has it. Epigenetics is above genetics. It means it's the other 85%. It's the other 85%. And that's the coolest thing ever because now your behavior matters. And people don't want to know that their behavior matters. Your behavior, everything, whether it's finance, whatever it is, your behavior does matter. I mean, when you talk about finance and i got so many friends in the financial services arena it's all emotion it's all emotion if you can get people to understand compound interest and they check put their emotions in spend, check spend less than you spend make less than you make <laughs> save money save money i mean hello holly's this, holly's grandparents i mean had no money and they had a boatload of money at the end they spent within their means right i mean grammy I mean, she got no money. She had no money. And the next thing you know, I'm all like, the money. She's coming to me. Hey, I got five grand. What do I do with it? I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do you get five grand? I mean, you make nothing. So <laughs> so that's the whole thing is that you have to start really backing up. And this is before the tactics and strategies. Everybody wants to know, like, hey, tell me about the cod liver oil, the spirulina corella, or how much workout should I be doing? we got to get the mind right first. Yeah, that's why I thought it was important today. I mean... <clears throat> I'm on this tour throughout Michigan. I've been all over Michigan, and I and I got a lot more to go in Michigan. And, and these are some pockets of Michigan that aren't touched by, I would say, this type of message, like maybe some bigger cities. You know, you go to Detroit, Chicago, Grand Rapids, Lansing, you know, New York, L.A., Miami. The topics are talking are being talked about. You start going up into 
rural parts of Michigan, not as common, but the beliefs are still there. They're still in the way. They may be different. It could be something like, that's not within my budget. Yeah, I mean, eating healthy costs more money. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, a, oatmeal on the run, it's a dollar fifty a day or less. It's a gentleman cheaper. today, and I won't give too much, uh, but he's got an issue, diverticulitis. It's a very problematic issue, and he was worried about the budget. Fine. I, we have to worry about the budget. We only have so much you know, f- finances and resources. I don't know about you, but I would go to the ends of the earth. Me personally, because of my beliefs and my hope and what I want to find a way to solve a health issue if, if it, I were to have. Versus if, if, if this gentleman came to you and said, hey, I got diverticulitis. What can I do? What can I do? And you're going to say, um, shoot me an email. Let's work on it. Or, or, or we'll, we'll do that for sure. But what food should I consume on a consistent basis? And you would say, you need to consume an apple regularly or put water, lemon in your water, or maybe you do the oatmeal on the run. Start from the beginning. The beginning. <laughs> and work. And everything we just talked about costs no money. And then if they come back and say, you know, I'm on a limited budget, what would I do on a limited budget? Again, fine. Be- asking better questions. We'll tell you. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, apples don't, there's no profit in an apple. What I heard from him is, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use the insurance and get the medications. And and uh, and I'll have people say, well, you know, I have these digestive issues. I diverticulitis and I can't have nuts and seeds. Okay. Well, let's just start out with some, you can do some a lot of easy stuff. Like, for example, you can eat flax seeds. You grind them up in a fine coffee grinder. Fantastic for gut health. Well, I can't take flax seeds. I'm not telling you you can't take the seeds, but once you grind them up, there's like an apo- they're easy to, for the body to break down. I've tried everything. I've I've tried everything. <laughs> when I hear of I've tried everything, then I start right from the beginning and I start throwing the questions at them because once you hear I've tried everything, there's nowhere to go. I tried everything is usually if you can can open up that box of beliefs, the best success story you've ever experienced because they're in the most pain. And that's, you know, that's the hard part about what we do. You know, I don't know what we were talking about yesterday, but you told me a a lady called you, got all these issues, won't go any further than that. And she just said, I just don't want to or something like that. Yeah. She said, I'm already, again, this is a referral. They called me. Yeah. I took the time and energy. To not call even them. charging anybody. Nope, not calling, not charging them a dime. Calling them back a couple of times. Finally got a hold of her, and she said, and it really was a, a push from a family member because they want the they want them. they want her their mom to be healthy. Yeah, push from the family member. She says to me, "I'm already in the medical profession. I already know what to do, but I wish not to do it." <laughs> Why are you calling me? Yeah. So I'm listening to her talk for three minutes, and she's rambling about all her beliefs. You know, and so I'm right away going, this box is completely shut. It's got concrete on it. It's got a semi on it. There's nothing's going to open up that box of beliefs. So I said, is there anything I can help you with? And she said, no. And I'm thinking to myself, why did you call me? But the real, the real truth, tons of pain. Tons of pain. So there's a lot of things you... And, you know, she I'm listening to her talk, and she know, she's tried everything. She hasn't tried hardly anything. She has no clue of knowledge of what to do, even though she's in the medical world for her challenges. So that's where emotions, I thought it was an important topic. I think we could go on and on. Is there anything else you want to yeah, share I want to talk with the about, listeners? Yeah, I want to talk real quickly again. 
you know, we talk about beliefs, it really gets in back to your why. Your why is your driver, your why is your jet fuel for change. And so again, that why could be short or long term. We talk about that. Um, I also like to talk about the circle of success, and that's what you're talking about. So in chapter five and six in my book, I have, you start with a belief, then you have to tackle an emotion. Again, you have to get into the emotion. Then you have to talk about potential. And people love to talk about potential. And well, then you, you can you talk about potential before the belief is tackled, though? No, but you're just going to throw that out there. Sprinkle it. And that's why speaking in large audiences is so powerful. So powerful. So I sprinkle it out there. I tell a story and people yeah. see the potential. One on one, that's hard to do. Right. So I'll talk about AFib. Guy has AFib. You know, a year later has no AFib. He's got his life back. So when you throw those out there, that's the potential. They see it. Because you said earlier, what do you need to know? What do you need to see? Whatever. It's the potential. Again, four-minute mile. They saw Roger Bannister. That's the potential. And then from there, you create some really simple actions. Like, here's the action. And then you paint the, like, okay, here's the potential. These are the results that you can probably guesstimate, you know, over time. So that's the circle of success, and you just keep going through that circle. So beliefs, emotion, potential, action, result. And you just keep going in that circle. And then I'll really get into what's holding you back. And then when they dive in, I had a guy yesterday, and he was talking about sleep. I just can't sleep. Done everything. <laughs> so the first question I asked him in the group, and he was really open. He was awesome. And he, I said, when do you go to bed? And he said, I go to bed at midnight. I said, what time do you get up? He said, 6 a.m. And the whole audience started to laugh because you, you could see the problem right away. It's obvious. It's a school night. What I mean by school night, it's a work night, right? And then he tells, so what do you do before you go to bed? Well, I watch TV in bed, or I'm on my phone. <laughs> or I took a nap at 9 when so, I should have gone to so bed. So right away, you know, he kind of like was catching himself telling the whole group of all that. So you could see right away what's holding him back. But I loved what you said earlier about, you know, we were talking about this earlier before on the podcast, but the opposite of hope is despair. And when you create hope for people, then that's such a powerful emotion because when people have hope that they can do this they have it, they have curiosity yeah you know and my in some of the listeners will know this but i had this incredible teacher and her name was miss ellis she was my sixth grade, grade teacher and i talk about her all the time and she was i mean she was like way ahead of her game in like sports psychology or but she would how she would tell everybody in the class how amazing they were she was to tell me that you're the best speller i've ever had <laughs> she would tell it to every student she didn't just tell it to me but i believed that i was a good speller and and that was the that was the mentality she always had that's how she motivated people is through that emotion and all the stuff that goes with it but really what she really came back to and all told her class the greatest belief ever the greatest belief ever is that when you get people to believe they can do it and when they believe they can do it, nothing gets in the way. I had a first grade teacher that told me I was a horrible speller. Maybe that's what <laughs> led me down to that path. But um, no, I, I think this is such an important topic. It's a big topic. It's a thinker. I want everyone to think on this. And I'm going to leave you with this last piece. Whether you think UFOs are real or fake or gravity is real or fake. When it comes to your health, it begins with locking into what you want. You got to find the why, the the emotion behind the the what. 
but ask yourself on the limiting beliefs or the beliefs you have or the areas that you feel like you, you've tried everything, what would you need to know, see, or experience to believe something that you don't or to believe something different? And that's what we're going to leave you with today because I see a lot of people in that opposite of hope, the despair. I saw it today. I'll see it my next gig. And those are the folks that I, I would love to help. Unfortunately, you can't tell people what to do. You can't just give advice. It has to be this, 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 this dance. So what would you need to know? What would you need to see or experience to believe something different? Thanks for joining us. Podcast 173. Hopefully we join you next week for five weeks in a row. Have a great weekend. See you next time.